Hey, welcome to American Horror Story Podcast by Bald Move for Season 6, My Roanoke Nightmare. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. Tonight's episode is for episode 602, episode... Uh, chapter 2. Oh, chapter 2. Episode 2, season 6, episode 2, chapter 2. <laughs> it's fun. I like this because I don't... Usually, I'd get into these intros and wreck it uh-huh. because I realize halfway through I've forgotten the title and I have yeah. to look it up. And now it's just like, just like, what is the episode number? Add a chapter in front of it, you're done. Yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> so, episode chapter 602... Uh, I'll find a new way to fuck it up. Uh, what do you think of this episode? I liked it. I don't care what anybody says. I'm enjoying it. Okay. It seems like everyone hates it. I don't care. I didn't hate it. I'm I just, fine with it. I, I just thought that we're swerving into some of the worst of the Murphy tendencies over the last few years well, in the yeah. second episode. Like, he's never given us a reason to think he's going to do differently, so why does everyone expect differently? I, don't I think know. that's the problem, is everyone's setting their expectations way too high. I guess if I was an improvisational jazz musician and there's a certain part in, you know, my jam that was making everybody, like, get, give, give a look in the club like someone just farted, uh-huh. that after a while I'd be like, you know what maybe it's not that i'm super clever and and super like a jazz pioneer maybe I, this part's just sucks uh but you, murphy's just uh, yeah that fart that fart smell you like that fart smell <laughs> that's a strange analogy yeah and i, I like okay. i mix all kinds of different yep. visual audio olfactory <laughs> stimulus in my analogy yeah clearly but <laughs> uh, sure so yeah, I was uh, I I was this to me the big problem of the episode continues to be the fact that Lee is an unbelievable character and the other characters act in ways that I find inexplicable. Like you know, if you think about this, we've spent more time with these characters than we do in the average horror movie, right? You know, average horror movie is ninety to one hundred twenty minutes. We spent that much time with these people. You're will, more willing to overlook, like, you know, teenagers doing stupid stuff at the cabin with, J- you know, Freddy or Jason. It'd be Jason with the teenagers at the cabin uh, chasing after them where, the where you know, you're spending a whole season with people. It's like, man, I kind of want to like and admire and, be, and, and, and have these people be a little bit more resourceful. Uh, so. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Shelby's the most unbelievable character. Where she got her steely resolve to suddenly want to stay after an actual threat appears. It directly contradicts her arc from the previous episode, where she was getting more and more frightful. Right, she got scared by the strings. Was it the strings that set her off and made her drive off in her car immediately? Yeah, I think so. Being strung throughout the house, was right. that it? Right, And And suddenly she sees an actual human sacrifice and wants to stay? Right. Like, that's the hoax they could pull off, right. but the thing before wasn't? Well, it was just a bunch of Hobby Lobby shit. Right. You know, abject terror. <laughs> Seeing a man simulated scalping and burning at the stake. All right. That's I've, actually I found a great my... idea. We should decorate our house with just Blair Witch stick figures from the oh, hanging from the man. ceiling. It, how, like, what would the neighbors say if on our front lawn we erected this, like, eight-foot stick <gasps> figure with a real pig's head that slowly rotted over the course of all of October? Oh, my God. Just covered in flies. And then in the night of Halloween, we t- set it on <laughs> fire. Well, and the we play, might, might and we play, and we play at loud volumes, us. pig squealing, like like we like you know you find a recording at a like at a butcher, uh-huh. 
and uh, these 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 pigs' final moments of scream. Oh man! Yeah, well, totally get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll All be right. everyone's favorite neighbors ever. Let's get into the recap. So uh, they continue. Okay, the other thing is structurally, this this I, Murphy has to pivot away from the structure sooner rather than later because this conceit of showing us shocking moments that we're about to see. Like, this is classic, you know, Ghost Hunter stuff, but it's really not working on a scripted drama because we get, it's like a preview for the episode the last 60 minutes before we see it. And for what little tension we have with, you know, all the main characters not dying is kind of drained, um, continue to right. be drained from that. I don't like it. Well, here's the thing I, I wrote down. It's crazy that they're con- they're, they continue to go all in on this uh, faux show. Here's the thing that I wrote down. Faux show. Here's the thing that I wrote down on the first run through in my notes. And that is uh, Flora can die because we don't see any present recaps of her. And then, you know, she disappears at the end of the episode. Well, and, she's a fucking Eeyore, also, man. Always about, oh, everyone's going to die. We're all going to die. Tried to barter our lives for the doll. No deal. You screwed it up, Mom. She can die. And also, any of these talking heads could lose their arms or their legs. So that's there's that. True. They, they can withstand physical harm. That's true. So that's... They're going to pull out and... Uh, so, the, what do you think about the theory that was advanced in our feedback uh, again this week of the fact that these guys are actually ghosts being interviewed on whoever the psychic played by Sarah Paulson last season was? I think that sounds absolutely ridiculous. I just so I think it's definitely going to happen. Yeah, I mean <laughs> it's 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 um it's it's something Murphy would do is make us think that this is actually just a loving recreation of these cheesy reality-based ghost shows and then pivot into no this is a re- this is a reality-based ghost show. They're interviewing ghosts and like you would living people. Well, here's the thing is that the the ghost whisperer character can see the ghosts and hear them. But we, as the audience or other characters in that universe, can't see them. So right. why would they record each individual interview? It would just be like a blank tape. Yeah, right. That only Sarah Paulson can hear. I don't know. Maybe they got special spooko cameras or something. Ghost cameras. Okay. Ghost vision. I would. I, I. I wish that stuff was real. Because how rad would I? I would watch the hell out of a series where they got the ghost from the Titanic and like here are, we're going to interview these ghosts. They're eyewitness. Well, there wouldn't be any mysteries left. Ghost of Vesuvius. To have Jimmy, ghost Ho- of Roanoke, Jimmy yeah. Hoffa come up and say, "Oh, my body's right over there. Right. He's there the whole time, you guys. How silly." <laughs> Turns out it was buried in the Meadowland <laughs> Stadium. That's no fun. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we have the previews for the coming episode, and then we rejoin our scene already in progress of Sarah Paulson's character, Shelby, um, the reenactor Shelby, experiencing uh, a reenactment of just a truly terrifying scene of, of men stumbling out of the woods from freshly being scalped, men being transformed into pigs by uh, vengeful Kathy Bates with a questionable accent, nailing pig parts onto them and then being roasted at a stake uh and she's panic stricken by this and she flees and runs out into the middle of the road where she's almost run down by lee i i have a question about the timeline of these woods events shoot she's encircled by this group right she runs away from the group right she finds them again having built a a spitfire Mm -hmm. to roast this guy yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, so they if encircled you... her and they know she's there. Yeah. And they don't bother to give chase. But then when she's overseeing their ritual, 
they do give chase. I mean, so if 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 you think this is all just ghostly visions, none of that's a problem, really. Okay. But if you think of it as, like, people playing a hoax on her, that's a huge problem, right? Yeah. Like, what the hell is actually going on? How is she getting away? Where is the physical space happening? Where, Where is the did ev- that accent come from? When, when <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, and, and also, like, you know, this. even if this was a hoax and people are milling around in the woods and they remove all the physical evidence, there's still going to be a lot of trampled woods. Right. Like a big, you know, if, if you get 50, 60 people out in the middle of the woods and have them mill around for 15 minutes, You that's an unmistakable you know what? marking no- of the land for several days. If nothing else, the actual ground breathing would be <laughs> would be what made me believe that it was real. Yeah. Like, or like or I'm a bunch I've, of rednecks pull off a stunt that sure, amazing. Sure. Or I took uh you know some some weird drugs. Even though I don't take drugs. Even though I don't tra- take drugs. Um uh, <laughs> someone spiked my rosé. You know who else doesn't take drugs? Shelby and the hospital helpfully lets us know that she is drug free. Yoga is her anti drug. Wonderful. Wonderful. Downward facing dog is her anti drug. Uh, oh, wait, wait. Sorry, I have one question real quick. Yes. The talking heads have changed clothes. Is there a significance to them wearing a different outfit than they were last week in their interviews? Clearly, last week they're all ghosts. Now they're heat people. Okay. I don't know. I just. I, I, you know, here's the thing. Like, in I interview time, what is that, 10 minutes of interview time? And you're like, oh, you're done for the day. Go home. Yeah, we'll wrap see you up. tomorrow. Well, I don't, I, so I haven't seen enough of these real television shows. Like, I've seen long form documentaries, like, you know, yeah. Making a Murder. And people, they're, they're changing clothes all the time because that's something that's done, happened over the course of years. Yeah. But here, you're right. Like, for these ghost shows, I think it'd be like, okay, you're here from one to four. We got everything from you. Get out of here! Like, yeah, I mean, maybe, exactly. maybe if there's a follow up or a develop or another development, then co- then costuming puts you in the same t shirt or something. Yeah, just so you don't. Yeah, just so you don't <laughs> ask questions. Yeah, I don't know what the rules for uh, continuity on these documentaries are. I remember uh, I was listening to a recent Dan Harmon podcast, and you're talking about the Harmontown documentary and how. They were wanting to do reshoots of some scenes, and he's like, oh, I realized that I was wearing... But it was like a year later. Yeah, and it's like, oh, what was I wearing, and do I even have those clothes anymore, and... And then he put on the shirt and realized that he had gained, like, 50 pounds Right, yeah. (laughs) It didn't work anymore. You know, it's like, uh, nothing is real, folks. Everything (laughs) is magic. Uh, But yeah, she almost gets ran over by Lee. They take her to the hospital. Uh, Matt says, hey, you know what? Finally, we'll have... We'll get someplace else to stay. This is crazy... Your what? She was covered in blood, wasn't she? Or no? Why was she taken to oh, the hospital? I think she was covered in blood because like she had run through all the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, because I remember they. T- I was like, if she wasn't, why the hell did they take her to the hospital? She was scraped up and she passed out on the road. That's why she went to the hospital. I think. Right, and she says, "No, we have to stand our ground. This is an elaborate hoax for those rednecks to run us off our land, and we can't let them do this. Every cent that we own is tied up in this house." And I'm like, "Okay, okay, okay." Is it? Plus, you know, like, here's the thing. Your entire savings was $40,000. Yeah. For people that How were much living... How money did you put uh, in and, and for people that were living out in L.A., I feel like forty grand is... I mean, I wouldn't be excited to lose $20,000, right. but it wouldn't break me. And I'm of fairly modest means, I so... Just, you know, in our recent experience, I don't think that's how house buying works. I mean, unless you opted to take actual real money and just put it into the house instead of getting a mortgage or something. And that's like what that. they did. They said it's their entire savings. So what money are they using to renovate the house? Probably. And with renovations, I find it impossible to believe you can't get 
seventy-five thousand out of the house. Well, I mean, if they disclose the full history of it, the fact that it's got so Apparently many murders, you don't have to. And, yeah, just change the street name again. Um, that you know, I, I guess that's a real thing too. That that's something that that people have been doing. It's not happened a lot, but like you know, they can because uh, house numbers get reordered in like nine eleven things. Oh, yeah. 911 phone, you know, phone call redistricting and like road street names get changed. Like some of that shit gets buried and realtors have used it to their advantage. But yeah, uh, it's not something that like it's not a go to play because it's like not super cheap or easy to get a house, you know, street address changed. I don't think that someone dying in a house would deter me from buying it. Well, no, then because again, we don't, don't fucking believe in, believe in ghosts, ghosts yeah. and supernatural. So yeah, murder all the people in my house <laughs> as long as you got the blood out and the the you know the the the, the shit pants off the walls and all that stuff. And I I'm, definitely I'm would use it as a bargaining chip, though. But I, you know, like I'm thinking of the person I was. Like I used to think that there's no way I could possibly live next to the grave a graveyard because <laughs> even if I don't, like I didn't believe in ghosts even back when i was a christian but like the possibility Zombies. of the magic world like yeah, the fact that all these dead they just created now it's like i'm like man that was really silly mm-hmm. that was really silly 20 20 year old me uh i i do however believe that you should never build on top of a uh, native american well that's ground. just showing respect for other cultures and religions i mean but they definitely I, do asshole? come back to life yeah fact yeah, I mean, Native Americans have magic. We we know this. <laughs> it's 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 a true thing. So that's it's right to respect that and fear it. Uh, so Lee comes back with a talking head segment where she talks about how shitty she is as of a mother and how can a mother do the things I did in those times. Again, as far as I know, she didn't fuck her husband for a month and missed picking up her girl two or three times at the school. I'm not seeing the monster here. I wish they did a better job of showing me exactly how bad she got or I don't know. No, I think it's more the fact that just when you're an addict, you can fall off the wagon at any time, which clearly she did with little provocation at the absolute worst time to do it. But I'm saying is like, I think that Mason's point is that you just need some good clean time before. And how long has it been since she was kicked out? Yeah, as sure. A, as opposed to how long she was under the influence. But that's the thing. I don't know. Like They make it seem like maybe, like, again, the time frames I'm giving it are a few months of of, of her uh, slipping into alcoholism after getting shot. And, you know, like, it, like I, this seems extreme. Like, if we were married for 10, 15 years and had a child and you had a traumatic work experience, injured you and left you addicted to prescription narcotics... Um, I don't think in like two or three months I would escalate to we're done. I'd be like, you need to get help. You need to get into a treatment program, all that kind of stuff. Like this, this stuff right. is just all bizarre. Yeah, it is. Especially since she was apparently a paragon of virtue and strength up until that point. Right. So like and that even, is like. Even in the accident, she didn't do anything wrong. She just got caught with a bottle of pills in her car. I mean, maybe I, maybe Isaac or is that her husband's name? Mason. Mason. Maybe Mason. Uh. Maybe Mason's just a fucking uncompromising narcissistic prick, and we haven't come to appreciate that yet. But, like, that's just totally bizarre to me. Anyway, her so after she talks about how she's a shitty mother, guess what? Her daughter pulls up, uh-huh. and she's giving the house the full eight-year-old stink eye. Like, there's no Wi-Fi here. Yeah. There's no Nickelodeon or Disney <laughs> Channel here. 
Uh, and she says, I want to keep her inside and keep a close eye on And I'm just, the whole time, I'm like, this is horseshit. Like, Murphy is trying to write a universe in which we're going to accept the fact that a mother would bring her child into this circumstances where she's babysitting at best a crazy lady. In the middle of nowhere where there's nothing fun for the kids to do. In the middle of a school year, like, there's no, like, what? Yeah, just go stay in a hotel near Mason's house so that you can get her for maybe even more time. Yeah. And then everyone can take a break from Ghost House. And then she's like, they show her playing jacks. And she's smiling, oh, and she's like, this is the type of girl who can make it. I'm like, no, no, kid. This is not Nobody realistic child behavior. In the in the days of iPads and internet and video games, you sit down and try to get a ch- child to play jacks, and they will be, what the fuck is this bullshit? Yeah. What the fuck is this bull? Like, again, I'm not saying kids can't appreciate, like, going outside and doing different stuff, and they don't have to be playing video games all the time. But jacks, that's straight-up bullshit. That's stuff that people did before they invented Game Boys. Actually, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I remember about five or six years ago, I lived in a car- an apartment complex where I saw the local kids playing a type of jacks with silly bands. You remember the... The bracelets yeah. that were oh, in the yeah. shape of animals, yeah. they would do that, and that's how they would trade their silly bands. Really? They weren't, like, snapping? Like, they, they would just drop really... a ball, and while it was up in the air, they grabbed as many as they could, and that was the game. Huh. All right. But Jax, no. Out of line. Uh, riveting. So, and then, on the very first fucking day, this girl starts talking to the ghost lady and swapping bonnets and shit. A little girl. Ghosty girl. And, and... You know, and also she's like, when her mom goes to question her, she's like, oh, yeah, I'm talking to my invisible friend who is tired of all the blood and says she's going to kill us all. And this flat affect voice that I think Murphy thinks is creepy, but I think is just like, like if you want a kid to be matter of facting about being covered in blood and all that stuff, they need to be like three years old. Yeah. Like this girl who's who's playing eight and I think she's 12 is just it looks like she's got something wrong with her. Well, like, it's I, not reading as innocent and doesn't know that this is, like, abnormal and the ghost is corrupting. It, it's like this person is just really dumb and, you know, uh, emotionally stunted and not appropriately af- afraid of, of of things that should be scary. Right. Not so much this scene, but especially in the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we see a window open and a vase gets broken full of flowers and Lee goes and investigates and finds a bonnet. Uh, uh, old to time bonnet. bonnet. It's one half of a giant bra. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, you don't know the, the old old time settler brother. Kathy Bates. That could be a Bates bra. One half of it, sure. One half of it, exactly. Someone cut it in half, mm-hmm. and she snapped it through the window. She sniped with her ela- with her old timey elastic bra. Hit the vase; it shattered. That broke the 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 broken glass. Sheared the bra in twain. That's QED. What happened? Amazing. Uh, great story. So they um have a bunch of tension because Shelby quite reasonably points out, what is your sister thinking? She's got all these problems. We've got all these problems and she's introducing a young girl into the mix. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. Uh, This marriage is primed to explode. Uh, Then they hear a bunch of late night squealing and oinking, squealing and oinking. And she decides (laughs) that she needs to go out and investigate this nighttime affair. Uh, And they find a wicker pig which is a wicker man with a pig head on it. 
uh, with all kinds of meat offerings hung, strung all about. And uh, they, yeah, they cut those back. Those are the organs of the guy, right? I think so. Yeah. They cut back to modern day uh, or, or non reenactor actual Matt. And he goes, this is beyond having a cross burn on your lawn. Like, <laughs> understatement of the century. Seriously. Yeah. Like, there might still be human head inside that pig head that's still bleeding. Actively. Sure. Sure. This is like the com- this is like the combined Voltron of cross burnings. Like you take all the different hate crimes and you- they join forces and you get a wicker pig. Super hate crime. Yeah, it's a super super mega fortress defense hate crime. <laughs> At least the evidence of this was still there when the police came. Yeah, that was the. I think that was the only thing that they actually saw. Well, except for the strung up Blair Witch dolls in the house but that this is like this real. like but then again i thought it was funny the cops last was well this is just simple van no it's actually trespassing and intimidation and like all kinds of different things but and definitely what would appear to be a hate crime uh, well this is just your standard louisiana pig sticker you see <laughs> this is how we warm this houses is just a uh, senior prank the kids what you do don't like year. bacon you don't like pork chops this, this, this is you know this is arranging cuts of meat for your enjoyment <laughs> is all this is Anyway, uh, yeah, so the cops show up, and this stuff is actually... I, there's, so there's a distinction between the shit that's happened on the ghosty ghost level and yeah. the shit that the pokes are up to, right? And what I don't understand are... We, are, 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 the pokes the, being... are the pokes the heroes of this story? Why? Because they showed up in the first episode and have never been seen again? Well, they... I don't think they're to blame for any of this. I don't think they're involved at all. How the hell are the ghosts... How the hell are the ghosts doing this stuff, then? Like, physically manifesting pig fortresses i don't know i guess they're just physically manifesting i don't know the exact science of it because it's not real but okay (laughs) yeah i mean fair point but i'm saying like i wonder if there's a distinction because i think the reason i say are the pokes to heroes because they tried to buy back this house maybe they're going to burn it down and they said you don't want this house uh and then we've never seen him again and like it's just like it seems like from this episode this this house is a nexus of bad shit happening so maybe right. it's going to turn out that they're the they're the heroes of the story <laughs> they're like the backwoods ghostbusters and they're just and you know what she even mentions that she should offer to sell it to them now in the state it's in or shelby does why don't they like yeah. they keep mentioning or they keep suggesting that they're trapped in this situation that they can't get out of I don't see how that's the case at all. Yeah, like, hey, uh, would you give? Hey, rednecks, you beat us. Would you give us twenty grand for it? Ten, anything that you get is going to be better than the nothing that you're fearing, right? Right. Okay, so uh, the cops have agreed to give them twenty four seven protection with the sheriff's deputy out in the driveway. Which I'm like, okay, well, cool. Maybe the cops aren't going to be worthless um, after all. They're gonna they're gonna do something to protect these people. Uh, and Matt says, we finally get the chance to relax and sleep, except an unplugged old ass phone, like, you know, the old Ma Bell battleship models, uh, starts ringing in the middle of the night and he picks up and an old woman is saying, please, they're hurting me. Why are you letting them? And then he turns around and there's this horrifying tableau behind him. The kids are coming for, or the, the phone calls are coming from inside the house, and we see these nurses tormenting this old woman named Margaret, uh, and they shoot her in the head for no reason. And uh, well, she talked back to them. Well, yeah, that's true. You can't do that. You can't let the old people get uppity. Uh, no, like my God, uh, you know, like you've had your time. You lived a full life. Now, sure, look at American politics. This is what happens when you let the old folks just run amok. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. 
that's that's pretty much the cop. So the, he he found... runs out and he's hysterical. He's like, oh my god, there's someone in a house and they just killed somebody. And the cop comes in there and looks and sees. Uh, you know, I guess I guess the cop thinks that, that I think isn't he opine that oh, you guys must have been dreaming. And I guess that's reasonable because there's absolutely no evidence of any disturbance. Sure, but I think it's also very reasonable for this couple to have experienced a couple real traumatic events that they were able to prove. And to also reasonably have yes. a type of post-traumatic stress. You wake stress. up from a nightmare and you think it's real. Absolutely. But I also yeah. think what Lee comments about, I'm afraid that the the cops are are starting to think that these people are kooks and they're crying wolf and they're not going to believe them when they really need. Like I feel like that's also like this is like how many times they've been out here for stuff like – you, I, I would if I was the good old boy police. I wonder when I would start thinking that the people from L.A. are actually fucking with the hill folk. I mean, like, here, yeah. Here's the thing: is that you, you did get yourself a police officer to come and stay with you twenty four seven. It's Lee. Yeah. What, what oh, has she sure. done? Well, besides she's... not carry around her gun and sleep through most of the horrifying things happening. Right. Right. And commit more crimes. <laughs> Yeah, but she's on the she's on the whatever she's on, the co- the uh what what is it the the hillbilly heroin, oxycodone that's it that's what it oxycodone? is oxycodone is it oxycodone oxy pain painkillers sure heroin there you go uh, all of the above moonshine <laughs> and uh, then Matt says in another talking head sequence it's just amazing how long someone can rationalize the irrational well, it turns out it's about ten to thirteen episodes on the average season that's how long you can rationalize your... <laughs> The irrational. Uh, turns out we've got the answer. Uh, so then we got the next day and Lee is trying to round up her child and she is playing oh. this special hiding game. Do you have something else that you'd like to comment? I did. I wanted to class? mention that the nurses seemed very reminiscent from the season one plot. One of the murders that happened involved two nurses breaking into a house and killing people. Okay. I don't know if anyone else... Got that same? Please let me know. Um, so they they're playing a special hiding game where she just run off and hide. Otherwise and... known as everything that or the same thing that all kids do all the time. Yeah, always. yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I did, it's not an organized. She's she's more of an amateur hider. This isn't any kind of professional basis or um, it's a it's really a former guerrilla warfare is what she's trying to do. <laughs> Uh, and I'm like, oh my god, is Murphy going to go the direct conjuring ripoff? And like, they're going to start clapping. And like, I started getting oh. excited, but no, no, nothing that cool is going to happen. No, it was the sixth sense, sixth sense ripoff. Have you yeah. seen that movie? Oh yeah, where he's in the, uh, is it the butler? What do you call it? The butler elevator? Uh, uh, the dumb waiter. Dumb waiter, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, she, they finally find her, and she's having a conversation, and she's be- bewildered that her her friend disappeared. And she says, I tried to trade her my doll so they wouldn't kill us, kill us all. Uh, next scene, we see Mason dragging the child out, putting him in the back seat, and like, woman, get the fuck away. Uh, and I'm and I'm like, you know, this is a fine way to handle things. Like, this girl, like, yeah, I, I get it, Mason. You think she's, she's traumatized, but, like, she's further being traumatized by being ripped away from her mother, like... And you're gonna save her for last. I think. Right? I think the res- the proper response is to grab her and be all smiles and be like, "Tell your mom goodbye. We'll see her real soon." And just never come back. <laughs> Talk to the judge. Like, don't rip them away from each other, screaming and crying. Yeah, but you know, I get it. The parents sometimes get all fucked up in the head about this shit, and they can't think. They can't think logically and rationally. So I'll give them right. a bit of a pass. But this this whole storyline is just. 
is just there is zero thought to making this believable or realistic or sympathetic at all. It's just I need a girl to be creeped out. I need a girl to be in danger. I need a mother to feel guilty. So I'm going to throw this thing like like literally the first draft of what I can come up with, start filming it. And back to your earlier point, and I understand that this is all subjective, but uh, I, well, part of me thinks that Mason was already falling out of love with Lee before she got addicted to drugs because you go from zero to not giving a shit about a person it does feel like a pretense doesn't it it does so like you're you're concerned about your daughter but you know there's also uh, what seems to be a very real threat and you're gonna tear them away and say hey you know you can still get your time with flora but you she's not coming back here right you know I'm going to fully embrace that idea, and I'm going to take it one further. I bet we're going to get an episode where you find out that he's actually had a lover this whole time, and you're going to have a vengeance, like a very violent version of Stella Got Her Groove Back kind of thing. I mean, it's even more reason for Flora to act out. It's all happening so fast. Yeah. Uh, so then we find out, Lee says, this is the day I fell off the wagon. I'm like, oh, great. I'm taking an annoying character, and now we're going to just delve into the depths of substance abuse with her. Great. Shelby and Matt come flying in when she breaks something, and they find her stumbling drunk in the kitchen, and Shelby's like, this is bullshit, and then she's like, ah, Lee, why'd you throw all these knives in the ceiling? Like, for Are fucking... we still doing this? Yeah, like, so in this situation, in this house, where knives have already mystically moved around, you see a bunch of, uh, both of you, see a bunch of knives stuck in the ceiling, and your first thought is... Lee's drunkenly acting out. Mm-hmm. Come on, right. don't insult my intent. Like, why? Why? Just have him go right through. Oh my god, the knives! Yeah, like god damn. The fact that she's a stumbling drunk is already a problem. We don't need to add amateur knife thrower to the situation. <laughs> right? She broke a plate trying to make herself a PB and J or something. That doesn't mean she threw knives in the ceiling. It's just such a bizarre choice in the writing, and especially for her to say that she. Um, that she didn't do it. I I just want to quickly move past the I'm not believing you, not, you're not believing me thing when we're all in the same situation and we've all seen these things together. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so there's a meditation from Matt in the Talking Heads sequence uh, remarking that Lee has always been the strong one in the family and it's really worrying him to see her fall apart like this and he tells her as much in the uh, reenactment. He says, you know, get your shit together, woman. And she's like, I can't, I'm too weak. I can't let the audience identify with me at all. And then Shelby calls him downstairs, and while... I, I have to disagree with you. I think Angela Bassett's the strongest performance. I think... No, there's nothing wrong with her performance. It's just like, she's act, she's she's being asked to portray... You know, she's been asked to play a theremin, and there's, just, there's really n- not very many ways you can do that and look cool. Like, I think she's doing the best job she can, and I still love her in, like, every sense of the word, but, but her character this year is just hot garbage. All right. Um, My opinion. Reasonable people can disagree. Uh, So, while he's creeping downstairs, two nurses, the same ones that tormented the old lady in Matt's vision, approach Lee's bed. Uh, Shelby asks Matt, can you see her? And they look through the grimy windows, and sure enough, there is a figure standing out in their backside, front yard. 
front, 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 front yard. Cat, cat corner front yard. Okay. <laughs> That's what this said on the real estate listing anyway. Uh, enjoy our catty corner storm cellar in the frontish yard. The front, front, frontish yard. Uh, you won't even notice the entrance until a ghost shows it to you. <laughs> That's That's security. Uh, through obscure ghost obscurity security through obscurity so they he says yeah i do see her they go out to investigate of course she disappears but she was standing on a cellar door and we go full-on season one lost when we reveal a hatch with a ladder and a tunnel going down into the ground uh lee uh back in the house we see there's wriggling bloody pigtails nailed up all over the hallway and there is a full-on pig man standing in the hallway to to, to torment her. Squeal like a pig. Yep, going back to the half man, half uh, animal. Well, <laughs> haven't 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 pumped that well dry yet. Uh, so, meanwhile, Shelby and Matt are continuing to explore this apparently uh, well-stocked but long-abandoned cellar. I mean, this cellar looks like it hasn't been open for like fifty years, but it has a modern television and camera setup not modern i guess like a decade old at this point yeah i wouldn't say it was there for 50 years okay i think the, i guess you're just, right dust a, doesn't take that long to accumulate right it's a poorly and look at our house door. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and our house isn't even underground in a poorly insulated <laughs> root cellar Roots are dusty as fuck. Right. Like, if you, you look at any housekeeping magazine, they say, rule number one, don't have roots in your house. Fact. Try not to have roots growing from your ceiling. <laughs> they are a dust factory and magnet. <laughs> <laughs> factory magnet. That's a, that's a factory fact. Uh, so, we find out, as you probably already guessed, that this is a tape that Russell Edgington has made. We don't know the guy's name. Uh, yeah, the Dennis do. O'Hare character. Do we? Oh, yes. He's Professor Cunningham. We do now, now oh, know his name. I was just going to say his name is Russell Edgington. <laughs> Prof- Professor R. Edgington <laughs> from Bon Tom's University. Uh, he, he, and he says, look, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, um, but I am an author. I'm an intellectual. I'm an academic. I am not crazy. And he says... Um, and, and I kept on thinking, like, what would it be like to actually find, like, wouldn't it be so fascinating if you moved into a house and there's, like, a VHS tape and you watch it and it's actually something like this? Yeah. Like, what would you be thinking the whole time? Uh, he says that he was here in October of 1997, October 11th, to research uh, from, and he's... He, so, 20 years. It's 20 years old. 20 years old, and he was re- he, he's from Bradley University, home of the fighting vehicles. And uh, he's researching a true crime novel about Miranda and Bridget, Miranda and Bridget, the twins from the 1988, that were involved in the mysterious deaths of several elderly patients. Um, when they worked for an assisted living house, uh, then they decided uh, to, to bail once the heat got uh, on them too much and opened up their own assisted living place. Uh, he also researched that the previous, and, and they opened it up in, in the home, the Roanoke Nightmare Home that we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. And he's also done further research into the previous family that owned it had also ran off in mis- mysterious uh, circumstances. So he explains they had a peculiar fetish for the crime. Um, they recruited elderly people who, number one, their parents, their their, their families don't give a shit. Just, these families are shitty. It's like, hey, can you put grandma or grandpa in cold storage until they're dead? Can you? Great, thanks. Appreciate <laughs> it. They also selected people's uh, had a peculiar t- uh, letter of their first name because they were trying to spell out with murdering their people their favorite word, which turns out to be murder. 
murder. It's murder. I guess they didn't get to the R, and that's probably going to be significant later in the season. This is already like, what? what this is dumb. Is, their favorite word their is favorite murder. Their favorite word is murder. That's hacky, right? Yeah, super. Because I was actually like, oh, Rim? R-E-M? What? And no, it's just murder. You're right? Murder. Come on, yeah. man. Uh, yeah. and, and he starts telling a story about how like they tried to paint over this several times and they couldn't. The words kept bleeding through. And then you see people like wallpapering over it. And this dissolves the mat frantically running to the kitchen, peeling off the wallpaper. And sure enough, murder. Man, I wish wallpaper in any other house came off that no. easy. Okay. That's incredible. Well, to be fair, I got into the, that brand. The Louisiana summer is essentially just a steam gun turned to high heat. They're the whole North time. Carolina. Oh, you're right. Why do we keep saying Louisiana? I don't know. I don't know either. Coven? Coven? No, it's because I watched Magnificent Seven last night to also featured a Cajun that had no, you know, they kept calling him Cajun, but there was Spoilers. no accent. Or, oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's like I'm, I am got, I got, I got fake Cajun on the mind, I guess. Uh, but yeah, no, they find that the murder is actually under the wallpaper. Ah, okay, I find it? this to be the easiest thing to fake. The VHS tape as well as the covered up word under the wallpaper. Man, that's a lot. I mean, yes, technically it's easier to pull off, but there's easier a lot of moving pull parts. Than a fake satanic ritual, than stringing up a bunch of dolls in your house, than uh, uh, putting a hospital bed and shooting someone in front of your eyes. This, I think, is the easiest thing to fake. Oh, yeah, maybe they did that while they're hanging up the, the paper. The, yeah. the, the, or the, the dolls. They're like, you know what? You, you know, Just you know what, quick. Cletus? Yeah, you, you guys got plenty of people hanging up the dolls. I'm going to do some accent work here in the kitchen because <laughs> a, a border a border would just really set this place off. Don't yeah. you think, Roscoe? Um, so, yeah. What an amazing B&E idea just to break into <laughs> someone's house and just wallpaper it. Right. <laughs> you just come home and one wall is wallpapered. Sure, sure. Okay, and I've got I've got a mind bender. When you for say you B here. and E, I thought you meant like I thought you were trying to say bed and breakfast idea. And I'm oh, like, no. what Cletus and Roscoe's bed and breakfast with like you know, uh, uh, Blair Witch shit hanging up. Like I, I guess you could get like some goth kids to go in for that, but <laughs> nope. B and E, yes, B&E. it would be an interesting B and E idea. Okay, so this videotape that we're watching of the girls of the nurses that murder mm-hmm. this is a story that happened after what we're actually going to get to which is some sort of roanoke thing that happened years and years and years ago that set it off sure are the roanoke people the reason for the nurses disappearing could be are they the actual haunting are they the real heroes so is this a story within a story within a story within a story it, yeah like when when you're watching russ okay so we have a story which is the ghost show right a reenactment of shelby and matt watching a tape yes. which is another show then they then cut to a reenactment of the nurses yes. so yeah i think you hit this is limbo if, if they <laughs> if they if the nurses die there's no way they get back to their brains no yeah that- yeah I, I know my inception rules <laughs> So, um, was the murder spill still spinning when we left? <laughs> Prof- Professor Russ E. Edgington uh, opines that the nurses were stopped by something even more evil than they are. I can't stop saying opine. I've noticed that's a little word whisker for me this week. Uh, so it's like a total Blair Witch situation. 
um, where he's taking this, he's like going in for his last day and he's got his camcorder and it's in fucking infrared mode. So you can just see like this tiny pinprick of light through it and he's just breathing heavy and screaming, show yourself. And he gets attacked in the tape and simultaneously in the real universe, a bloody cleaver is embedded into the front door. Still all a hoax. <laughs> We're very clear about that. Those poke boys. Uh, those pokes, they get up there. They're just this. They're, they're just you know, practical jokers. A bunch of fucking pig pokers is what I think. It's almost Halloween. It is. It is. It's twenty days away. Uh, so they call the bank out and be like, "Y'all be trifling, and you did not give us any kind of forewarnings or stuff about this, and like you should have disclosed the fact that there were ghosts and mm-hmm. pig heads about." And the bank's like, Mer-her, "Fuck you. We got your money. Uh, if you want to sell, we can give the we we can give the poke boys uh re- reasonable and attractive rates." So it's like, why do we even see this scene? Just another lame excuse for why they can't leave the house. I'm my, still my not idea is it. that this this guy's such a shit, and that that they're going to bring him back later in the season just so he can get his gut splattered for something. Yeah, I bet he comes back just to be killed. Yeah, uh, they do decide to. You know, to anytime sell. you have like a, a, a repulsive real estate agent, a repulsive mm-hmm. lawyer, or any kind of professional that's an asshole in the Murphy thing, they're 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 marked for death. Yeah, exactly. I'm on the Murphy. Uh, so. Then we see after this bad news, Lee comes breezing in with Flora and Matt's like, well, my sister's done committed a felony. This is parental (laughs) kidnapping. And he says, are you drunk? And she's like, I might be a mother who's done unimaginable crazy things in my lowest depths, but I would never get in my car with a drop of alcohol in my system when I'm picking up my baby girl. I'm like... So you're telling me... Who are you kidding? Who are you kidding, Exactly. You're telling me in the the month that we know of that you were addicted to painkillers... totally out of control. Taking two a day, only forgot to pick up your daughter three times, but you didn't do it all the other times. Taking two an hour. Two an hour, sorry. Two a day is like, you know, that's what I just do to maintain. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I get out of bed every morning. Two an hour, that's that's extreme. Right, right. Uh, Maybe she's right. Maybe she never drank and drove, just took pills and drove. And that was fine. Yeah. That's unacceptable. Right. Right. Um, Thing to do. Anyway, uh, Matt's like, well, this is crazy because you're going to get us all in a bunch of trouble. And also, you're never ever going to see Flora Flora after this stunt. Like, you know. Yeah. Where's the justification in your mind for that? I'll see her this one time in exchange for never seeing her again. I do know that there are mothers and fathers that have this crazy magical thinking about how to deal with these kind of custody situations. Mm -hmm. But they haven't really painted Lee like she's that person. Right. Like she's this really contradiction of this steely, resourceful, capable person who's also an out-of-control, impulsive lunatic. Again, let me just posture that if she had taken Flora and stayed in a hotel near Mason's house, he would have allowed that. There's no reason why he wouldn't have. Well, but the thing is, is her brother called her out here, so like, I, I understand why she's out here. Everyone go stay in a hotel. Get the fuck out of there. Yeah, right. Season over. They can't let them run them off, man. All right. Uh, so anyway, Mason calls and of course he's fucking livid and scared and, uh, Shelby does a very good job of talking him down and talking sense. Like I was proud of her for not, you know, escalating the situation. This, this seems like something that a, a, a smart person would do, which what, so, so why is the yoga bunny, uh, who's all carrot lattes and stuff? Why is she the one making all this sense? 
I don't know. Like I feel like Maybe Matt should have this. The one con- that's possessed. Yeah. You're always more sane and and capable when you're dealing with someone else's problems. Haven't you noticed that? What? Yeah. I don't deal with anyone else's problems. No, I mean, like you know, like if I, it, I'm just saying, like. Well, no, I get it. Thing. I understand. Yeah. I'm making a Cause, bad Because you're you're too far. You're you're one you're one step removed from the the insanity yourself. Uh, so then we see um, a ghost encounter from Flora's perspective. We see a, a, a spirit beckoning her outside, and then shortly after, Lee discovers she's missing, and she runs out into a suddenly foggy, pigtail-covered woods in broad day, day, uh, daylight, and then we have a jump scare involving Cuba Gooding Jr. Like, ah, non-threatening black man. Ah, yeah. Ah, ah, ah. Took me a couple scenes to recover from that. But, you know, I thought uh-huh. it was just funny that he just burst out like, why are you okay, Lee? <laughs> <laughs> it's so I thought it was just so funny. Yeah. It's like next episode, Wayne Brady's going to get me, you know, like, ah, hey, I'm on whose line. Um, then we see the family converge on a clearing where Flora's yellow hoodie is like 100 feet up some kind of Carolina swamp tree. Yeah. Scary. Child's being child's being abducted by ghosts are always you know always move your scare needle <laughs> or is it just a windy day? I just <laughs> <laughs> that's the knives got blown up into the ceiling. Don't you find There's a that f- freak freak upwind that just gets whipped through the kitchen and I just... find that to be more reasonable than assuming that a small child climbed to the top of this very tall tree, left her sweatshirt. Well, obviously and then the what? ghost did it. Come on. That's the implication here. Oh, I know what the implication is. <laughs> I'm just telling you it's stupid. The ghost had her out on a boat like f- 20 miles from shore, and there is an implication. Oh, God. Implication <laughs> that her hoodie would end up 100 feet up a tree, <laughs> and there's nothing she could do to stop it. Uh-huh. Uh, that's the episode. It's Again, not an actual threat. No. It's just the implication. That's, that's this episode. Like, you know... I'm to the point of this show where it's I'm kind of in the Walking Dead mode where sometimes it can surprise me with like how clever or awesome or funny or scary it is. But every once in a while you get an episode like this, which is just like none of the plot lines that I think are important are being advanced. And the things they're doing with the characters are seems like long term disastrous in my attempts to connect with them. Mm -hmm. And 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 happening in, in episode two is a real doozy. Because usually they trick me into caring about the characters a lot longer than this. Right. So, there you go. Uh, we have feedback. Should we con- consider some feedback Let's now? Or do you have any closing thoughts? I'll consider it. You'll consider some feedback? All right. It. Nathan E. up front. I like this episode straight away from the common horror troop, uh, trope. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, sec- the, the Second City uh, horror tro- troop. <laughs> Famous. Their improvisational horror, just top-notch. Just scares the shit out of people. Nobody jumps out of bushes like that. Nobody. Nobody throws a bucket of blood on an audience like the Second City. Horror troop. Horror troop. Uh, When Cuba Gooding Jr. went downstairs and saw the nurses shoot their patient in the head, he immediately said, what's going on here? If this were a traditional haunted house scene, he would have just assumed they were poltergeists and tried to hide his presence. But I think the show played it off like he genuinely believed people broke into his house to perform a surgery. (laughs) Did you think it was weird that they didn't even acknowledge his presence? Well, th- no, they're just because they're ghosts, man. Like, I yeah, I guess that's subverting a horror trope, but also 
if I came downstairs and confronted that scene, I would just assume I was dreaming. I don't think I would interact with them like they were real people because there's in no circumstance would nurses be in my home performing unauthorized surgery on an elderly lady. I mean, this could also be like a monster house situation and it's a house itself that mm. is just showing him a memory to scare him. It's a bad seed. It's a bad house. Uh-huh. Got, Have you ever seen Monster House? It's got a cracked foundation. No, I haven't. It's a Harmon pr- project, right? Uh, uh-huh. Harmon right. and Rob Schraub. Well, shit. I need to see it. Uh, before each commercial break, there's a picture of a tree with the words by Roanoke Nightmare underneath. Do you think there's a chance of the different Roanoke stories being told throughout the season that all merge at the end? Or are we just going to follow this family around their house for 12 episodes? Are there different stories? Well, I mean, we, so he's saying, like, if you take apart, you've got the current story that's the main hook, but then you got this interesting story about the two nurses, and then you got the story about um, colonial days, and then there might even be an in-between kind of time story where, like, there's Indian strife and scalpings and stuff, and then, like, this witch story. Like, there's a lot of, I guess he's saying, like, are they going to focus on this, or is this a springboard to where they go into a deeper investigation of the Roanoke happenings? And You mean the seventh layer of story? Yes, we got to go deeper. It's like an onion. I, I just know if, if we don't stop, if we don't, if we don't stop before too long, we're gonna hit a Balrog, and then nobody wants that. <laughs> uh, Murphy, you're diving too deeply and greedily. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I think that would be interesting. My hope is that they abandoned it. I don't. I don't know how. I, I just don't. I don't know how they're gonna pivot away from this, but I think they have to because there just really isn't any tension. There really isn't any tension, unless you're really scared about Flora or Mason dying. Not mu- not much in a way of tension. Um, a lot of limbs on the line, though. A lot of limbs. <laughs> true, true. Garrett G., in your first podcast, you discuss it as Lily Robbie and the other guy. Uh, <laughs> Did we? Andre Holland, right? Yeah, Andre Holland. Uh, were the survivors Nepalson and CG C Cuba Gooding Jr. CGJ? Were it's actually easier to say his name than his initials. Yeah. CGJ. That's like a that's a tongue twister. CGJ sells seashells by the sea bay. <laughs> uh, anyway, the Lily Robbie and such were the survivors, and the Paulson and such were the reenactors. When I watched it, I took as Robbie and the other guy were the actors on a production discussing what is known from eyewitness accounts, and they were watching what actually happened to Paulson and CGJ. I mean, I guess you can interpret it that way, but you're ignoring the setup and actual filming practices of all these shows that they are trying to ape. Right. You know, it's like watching an MTV music video and trying to draw conclusions about pop. It's like this, you, you gotta, you gotta grant that like, okay, this is in the context of a music video. This is in the context of a reality ghost show. They never do it to where they hire the, I mean, I, that would be, that would be an interesting concept. I've just never seen it done. And it would feel like a cheat if Murphy did it. Like these right, people are actually dead. Said as much. Yeah, these were actually dead, but we've hired reenactors to go over their journals and pretend and to tell the story. Pretend to tell the story, and then we have real found footage of the act. No, ah, uh, nah, sorry, man, I can't, I can't go down and get that path. If you're right, you get all the internet points, though. Sally C says, um, I don't know if you've seen this article, and she makes reference to a popsugar.com article, um, which has um, uh, some some details about the upcoming plot. So do you think this evidence could show that the talking heads are really just ghosts that Billy Jean, Billy Dean is interviewing? Although the interview seems set up uh, out of Billy Dean's style, it could explain why the talking heads are separated through the filming. 
Uh, in addition, this is just a theory. It could also explain why these three are the only ones being interviewed. You'd think that Lee's husband, who, by the way, is the only one reacting correctly to Flora's communication with that fucker Priscilla, granted, would also have a cameo in the interviews. Not to mention this could lead to one hell of a Halloween episode. Even though I wish they would do what you guys posited last week with the two or three episodes in one case in this Roanoke TV series, they could reveal the ghost status and even have both actors and ghosts exploring the grounds and have the shit totally hit the fan. Um, not to mention Evan Peters could be the actor playing the pig man and he eventually gets killed by the real pig man, Finn Whitrock. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> thinking, uh, I, I tell you what, it would be an excellent use at even Evan Peters main acting skill of screaming senselessly. Just, just have right. Just put on the pig head and, and, and be, and, and be you man. Yeah. Be you. I, I so her thought, her thought is like, again, this is all plausible except for, it would be, in my opinion, Murphy cynically exploiting what we know about these reality shows to subvert them. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know if that's fair or not. Right. Like, I, I, if that's an interesting twist that, like, at the end, these are actually, even though this is not what Billy Dean does, and this is not the style of that kind of show, um, you know, there have been psychic shows and the crossing over and all that horse shit, and, like, they, they just do things differently. Because, as Cecily said, ghosts aren't real, and even if they are, you can't catch them on camera. Everybody knows that. Right. If we're living in a day of filmable ghosts, then, like, ghosts become people. If, if ghosts can materialize a body and start talking to us and do you know publicity tours mm-hmm. they're fucking people uh-huh. and that would be a, a crazy rad world to live in but it's <laughs> not the world that even ghost people live in right. so i just i just i just don't know but i do want to see evan peters as the pig man um nathan p scolds me says really a we told you to watch seasons one and two like two years ago and you still haven't why are you depriving yourself of the actual good seasons hey, you son of a bitch i got shit to do man like i've watched yeah. I've watched like Yeah, you have video games to play and, <laughs> and fans to disappoint. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just you just I just I laugh bitter laughs whenever when someone criticizes the amount of TV I watch. Like, <laughs> come on, like I'm not even like get get after Jim. Jim's guy to never watch the TV. I, I, I at least I at least watch other television. Hey, don't deflect. I do. That's 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 my that's my judo move, especially since he never listens to any of these podcasts and has no idea. Like I could just like run this covert uh, subversive campaign against his popularity and love, and he'd never know. <laughs> never know. Um, don't anyone tell him in the forums. I'm not above a bloody coup or purge, a purge <laughs> of the Aaron loyal, uh, non Aaron loyalist. I'd probably fuck it up and purge the Aaron loyalist and just really screw uh, myself. Yeah. Anyway, he says after he gets done scolding me, I did a shitty job of saying what I meant to uh, say last week, so I'll try it again. The reason the season's reminding me of Asylum is because of the tone. It doesn't feel as pulpy as seasons three and five, three through five yet, and the show feels like it's taking itself more seriously than an odd joke here, musical number there, Evan Peters shout, shout, shout everywhere. <laughs> I suppose I really should have said Murder House, given the ghosts of the episodes. So sorry. But I thought this week was also pretty good. I think people need to cool it and not sound so entitled about wanting the show to change its current format so early. Aw. Give it time for the show. I want my outrage. Give it time for the show I'm, within I'm a show. I'm with you, man. Huh? I'm with Nathan 100%. It's two episodes, and if I already said this, but if you're expecting this to be the best thing on television, then you've already come to the wrong yeah. place. And yeah. it's your fault for watching five seasons and not knowing any better. <laughs> 
this season feels more dreadful than the past three, which seem to rely on big horrors at the start, such as the Minotaur, Twisty, Addiction Demon, that kept me awake for the first few nights, but ultimately got boring as the episodes progressed. That said, I would not be surprised if one of the twists this season is that the show within the show is playing up everything for viewership. I could totally see a scene later of an exec on the show saying, We added the murder nurses to double our viewing figures. Anyway, you guys will probably figure out what actually happens in the first five minutes of the podcast because you guys are bald move and therefore crazy good at this stuff. Aww. Oh, I don't know about that. So wrong, but thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, he says, oh, and Scream Queens is actually good. I know you guys aren't on the the biggest Emma Roberts fans. I love Emma Roberts. Yeah. I think her it's... tragic pairing with Eve, Evan Peters is is the is the big big problem yeah and you know what now that i'm thinking about it the reason why maybe the first couple of american horror story seasons were stronger i enjoy the latter seasons more for the fact that they went away from making it about a teenage romance which is super annoying Mm -hmm. it's it's a very particular subset of people that enjoy that yeah 35 year old women maybe (laughs) teenage girls yeah the twilight fan base but it's just i i don't like it i like to taisa farmiga but i don't i just don't need to see her falling in love with evan peters again especially a brain damaged raised from the dead evan peters which that's uh, it's funny because man if i'd known more about evan peters going in that season i'd laugh so hard so hard that they were making him play a mentally challenged Frankenstein character. Yeah, and it's the, so funny in and, retrospect. In the Emma Roberts, uh, all the characters she plays are fine. Mm-hmm. You know, in real life, she beats up Evan Peters, so that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. It's not okay, actually. Uh, Domestic abuse in any way, shape, or form. Is not and okay. he's doing some crazy speculation about maybe doing a commission podcast for some episodes of Screen Queens. Um, boy, ah. Well, uh, you'll probably get him to watch the first couple seasons of American Horror Story before that. Um, Hillary writes in, uh, The Generation Y podcast covered the mystery of the lost colony of Roanoke back in March of 2014. Episode 57, if you'd like to listen. I remember listening to the episode and finding it super intriguing, so I'm very excited that this season of American Horror Story could have that tie-in. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. I didn't get a chance to listen to it, um, but I'm going to add it to my podcast queue because I, uh, I'm i a big fan of history. And um, mm. also, like, it's uh, research for the podcast. It's a win-win. Yeah. So thank you for that, Hillary. Uh, KCC, when does the season take place? In Chapter 1, we see Matt leaving the hotel room while the OJ police chase is on the TV, which is in 1994. Okay, I got to stop you there. Uh, it's not the OJ police chase. That is chase. not the OJ police chase. There is it's- no... that That is... Like, it was a please fun explain, homage to Cuba Gooding Jr., I think. Please explain why people think, other than the fact that it'd be super funny that it was, why it's the OJ police chase. Because the OJ police chase was involving a white Bronco. Yeah. There is it, no white Bronco on the screen at all. There's no cop cars on the screen. Yeah, I think this is just standard copter traffic cam that they show on the news every right. evening and morning. And the found footage is from 1997, so we know it has to be after that i'm assuming it's his current day because it almost always is when they don't directly mention it right so um but yeah i i think that that's the thing if you if you think that it's the oj simpson trial he's watching then you're going to get your timelines all fucked up so uh they also want to know casey does um how you rank the seasons to date 
Um, because she's saying that this episode, this this storyline so far, two episodes in, is the weakest that she's seen Murphy come up with. <laughs> um, so best being one, six being worst. She has him ranked Hotel because number one for its great soundtrack, two Murder House, three Coven, four Asylum, and five Freak Show. Uh, and then presumably six Roanoke Nightmare. I think that for my money, uh, Coven is the number one that I've seen because I thought that was the one that was because it's actually the number one that you've seen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, then hotel, then freak show. Um, I don't have enough to get to judge what I'm going to feel about the Roanoke nightmare season. And I haven't seen uh, murder house or asylum. Uh, I think we've we we do this at least once a season. But what's what's your what's your rundown? Uh, I would say Asylum, Coven. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say Freak Show. Asylum, Coven, Hotel, Murder House, Freak Show. Because hmm. I just do not like Murder House or Freak Show. It's too bad because. There is an element of freak show, namely the casting of the real freaks and getting to know those characters and 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 their like I think their it real had... life counterparts that I thought was amazing. Right, I think it had the best cohesive story. Right, and the best villain we've seen so far. Yep, if not short lived. Yep. But I do feel like that they kind of lost the plot. And, and the big, the, the critical problem there is I just didn't know. I wanted to root for the freaks. They wanted you to root for the freaks. Mm-hmm. But they did a lot of bad shit. Yeah. And they, you know, did a lot of bad shit to each other. And right. some of the people were, were unlikable, especially, you know, like Lobster Boy. Like Evan Peters is a fucking mess that season. Yeah, it was like Ryan Murphy was trying to put them in this moral gray area, but he just made it even more black and white. Right. Like, this is bad. This is bad. Yeah. They, yeah, and they try to do good, and it's trite. Yeah, we're freaks. We look different, and people hate us for it. So we get to kill people. We kill police officers, and people hate us for it. <laughs> we, we kill innocent people, and and housewives, and and and, and children trick or treating, and people hate us for it. It's just not fair. Like, okay, mm. calm down there. Um, Lisa S. Did Lee almost hit Shelby with a Mercedes Benz? Where is the pro- blatant product placement that's surely expected by AHS? Did she? Did he almost like? Yeah. Okay. So is that what? That is product placement, isn't it? Yeah, that's a joke she's making, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. Run down <laughs> it's like, your what loved Mercedes Benz? Where? Yeah. Oh, there it was. Okay. Run down your loved one with the best. Oh, by the way, for people who have their entire life savings in this house and they have no more money. They could sell the Mercedes Benz. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the this the resale value that's going to be twenty twenty five grand, right? Gonna... Late model BMW or Mercedes at least. Oh no, wait, that's Lee's car. Oh, on a police officer's salary? On a on a on, on a unemployed? drug addled unemployed police officer's <laughs> sal- salary? Incredible, unbelievable. Now she was a super on the educated on the fast track to being detective police officer. I hadn't made it there. Still, still rocking her 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 blues. Um, seriously, we have a weird, freaky shit going on, and this is the time to finally bond with your daughter. What is a horror story that danger to a cute little kid? All I can see is that Letty May is still a shitty mom. The kid is eating an apple and drinking apple juice at the same time. I think she is trying to kill her kid with vitamin A and C. I was screaming at the TV uh, to get away from the mirror. Haven't you seen Candyman? Comments on your mom's comments about the appropriate times to bond with their daughter? <laughs> well, 
She used to give me oranges and orange juice together. Oh, oh she was trying to kill you with vitamin C. She Fact. Was. She was. Fact. Uh, is Ryan Murphy trying to combine? 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 That's how what Ryan Murphy does. He combines <laughs> words like combine and kablow and kablown. <laughs> he's trying to combine Blair Witch, Andy Deville horror with a dash of The Shining. Well, I uh, think yeah, he's going for all the classic horror jump scares this season. I mentioned. Uh, I don't know that it's classic, but The Sixth Sense was a very ghosty, jump scare type of movie. Sure. Uh, Blair Witch was even down to Russell Edgington walking around with, you know, homemade footage straight up his face Mm -hmm. into his nose holes. Mm -hmm. Um, In Amityville Horror? Mm -hmm. Oh, there's so many of those. I don't remember. I can't wait. Haunted House, like that and Poltergeist. It's more about the house and what it's doing. I know that they said they're ne- they're not going to currently, but I can't wait for the uh, Conjuring folks to finally get to the Andy Deville horror. Oh right, because that's like they 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 constantly mention that and leading up to it, and then it's like now let's tell you a story that's not as scary and interesting, right? And it's still super scary and interesting. It's one of the best scary movies, contemporary yeah. scary movies, I think. Yeah, the, if you're the, a fan the, of horror, the definitely two Conjurings are are super strong. Um, uh, so she she says, I know Stephen King, sir, and you are no Stephen King. I guess it does feel kind of Stephen Kingy, doesn't it? What? And just this style of like real common folk being afflicted by something monstrous and supernatural. Well, I'm, I mean, if we're going in that vein, then anything is Stephen King. What book has he written that hasn't covered every subject matter? Okay, I guess that's that's fair as well. East Coast. It's happened on the East Coast. That's why it's Stephen King. <laughs> yes, exactly. As opposed to the, the West Coast horror writer. And there's like, you know, <laughs> they really need to quash that beef because if another another author gets 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 shot in Vegas, I, I don't Where know. Where does Harlan do. Coben live? <laughs> I, I don't even know who Harlan Coben is. He's he's much like Stephen King, I think. I think he lives I, in... No, no, no. I'm thinking of Dean Koontz. Oh, he lives in Beverly Hills. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're, definitely. They're, they're beefing. They're beefing hard. Yeah. Uh, she says also, I'm with Cecily. There is something distracting about Sarah Paulson's mouth. It's right? like she has an overbit bite and a lisp simultaneously. It's like her lips should be more inflated, but they're just deflated and just hang over her teeth. It's. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't usually pick on people's personal appearances, and I'm not really picking on it. It's just. It's odd. It bothers me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and I def- it sticks out to me. Yeah, she's got. Yes, like I, I, re- I, I understand what you guys are saying, but it's like you know, like I don't know. There's, there's history's replete of people who have unusual uh, features that people find attractive, like Julia Roberts. Well, I mean, there's something about it that interferes with her acting to me. Sarah like Jessica when Parker. She, like when she was brushing her teeth and she laughed in the last episode, uh-huh. it seemed so fake. Like, Which it was fake. She was an actor acting like another person, but it's just. Did it look like the Hindenburg crashing bizarre. on her upper lip and then you know <laughs> deflating in, in a horror show of flames and violence? Yes. Okay. Or like when she said, I like my teddy bear this episode. Just. It sticks with me. Huh. <laughs> I want someone to Photoshop like Zoidberg's squid lip onto her and just. just <laughs> you got to match the flesh tone. Don't, don't be lazy. Uh, Hef writes in, just think at this point in the previous seasons, we had the following bits of excitement going on. Murder house, a home invasion, murderous intent, ending with the daughters, or wait, sorry, sorry, whoa, (laughs) Whoa. interjected my fantasy in there, ending with the invaders slaughtered by the ghosts, 
Asylum, the exorcism which causes Sister Mary's possession, Coven, the reveal of Lily Rab's character, and the resurrection of Evan, Pe- Evan Peters. Evans Peters? Evans uh, Peters. Multiple. Freak show. Well, yeah, they robbed us. Russell Edgington never did have the forked penis like we were hoping for. Yeah. Freak show. Lots of twisty. Meep's death. And even the first occurrence of I hate you, I hate you, I hate you from the dandy. Hotel introduction to JPM. The introduction and turning of Tristan. Last night we got what might be Kathy Bates' creation of the Pigman Demon, a parallel to her attaching of the bull's head to the slave who eventually became the Minotaur from the Coven season, and then disappearance and kidnapping of Flora. They're still ruining the story at the show within a show format. I just can't take the season seriously considering I keep getting pulled out of immersion by the constant voiceovers, and I don't feel a whole lot of suspense knowing that I know the three people I'm supposed to care about are all alive and well, enough to do interviews of all the events I'm supposed to feel tension for. But do you know they have all their limbs? You don't. You don't. You don't. You don't know how many nipples they have? I mean, anyone can take a shot or a stab wound because it's television and people you, you, survive those things. You don't know whether they're shitting in a bag? You don't. There's like, do, do you not feel any concern for a man's bowels? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what kind of monster are you? Um, I think this season is just taking a super campy route, Hef continues, and I feel it's more goofy than horrific, which I don't like. The characters are also making consistently terrible decisions or having stupid reactions to things. For example, after Lee breaks the popcorn bowl while drunk, Shelby inexplicably gets pissed at her for throwing knives into the ceiling, even though they've all been experiencing these supernatural events. Yeah, we talked about that. I totally agree and i don't that's an unforced error there's that scene does not require that's not the engine that makes that scene work no so what the hell i can't believe they actually got on set and like i don't know to my no one brought that up you know but whatever <laughs> he's of the opinion they need to do 180 real soon or he's going to dub this season american horror novella and bow out early <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Underwood says, I think this is the best two episode start since Murder House. Maybe it's just that I like this kind of horror more than previous seasons, but I've been Thank slightly you. scared at least once each episode, and I enjoy that. Yes. Uh, when Aunt, or what's her name? Lee was walking through the house in a drunken stupor and seeing all those things. Mm-hmm. I actually had to turn the volume way down on the TV because I knew a jump scare was going to get me. Really? And it did, still. Um, regard- that doesn't happen. I've never been scared. On any of these seasons. See, I've been scared in a lot of these seasons. Of course, you know, I'm, I'm a bit easier to scare than you. But, um, yeah, definitely. I, I, um, they, despite everything else, are building some effective attention. Attention. Not that I think Sarah Paulson's going to die, but I'm going to get scared. I'm afraid that I'm going to get scared. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's tension enough uh, for, for what it is. You're concerned about your own bowels? I'm concerned about my own bowels, yes. Because <laughs> I'm not a fucking monster. <laughs> regarding the show in within a show format i don't think it's going to be last the whole season like everyone else uh if anyone saw the next time on maybe it's starting in next episode i i did see that i'm not sure what evidence you're citing for an ending but you know we'll 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 see we'll find out together uh amy J says i know we're only two episodes in at this point but i'm already starting to feel a detrimental lack of focus and progression Sure, we had a few glimpses of Kathy Bates and some ending intrigue with Flora gone missing, but other than that, the majority of the episodes went over familiar ground of something freaky happening to either Sarah Paulson or Cuba Gooding Jr. giving the whole we were damned if we were going to be driven out speech. 
In classic Murphy style, we've been smacked in the face with a new subplot, the killer nurse sisters, before the first Kathy Bates and company has ever been really fully explained. The lack of fluency in knitting these narrative threads together has made the show so far feel like a series of campy tableaus rather than a full and satisfying story, which is one of my biggest complaints with Hotel. I think everyone just needs to hold on to their butts. I, you know, that's the thing. Like, I think you can layer on mystery on top of mystery so long as you get around to servicing those in a satisfying and well-paced manner. But I also kind of understand where Amy's coming from because in recent history, it's been very uneven on that. Yeah. You know, the pacing and and how intriguing things are. And I, I don't know. I mean... I feel like the other thing that worked about Freak Show was Twisty. Yeah. Like, not only was he just creepy, but then they did the heel face turn that was just kind of emotionally resonant and devastating. Like, I, I feel like that was one thing where, you know, an example of kind of like American horror story operating at peak efficiently. And that was on an off season. So yeah. I I don't know. It's uh, I feel like it's interesting because it seems like part of the fan experience of watching American Horror Story is debating in real time whether this is good American Horror Story. It's kind of like, you know, part of the joys of being a cat owner is getting with other cat owners and just bitching about which of your cats is the fucking worst, <laughs> which is the most murderous, which is the most hateful, the laziest, greedy. I mean, dog so owners aren't like that. Dog owners are just like, oh, we have such good boys. Cats are just like, oh, yeah, to- these bitches. Yeah. Bitches that and assholes works. living in our house, shitting in boxes. It's crazy. We love I, them so much, also. But that's like American Horror Story, right? Right. American Horror Story is the wild animal that is in your house, shits in boxes, could tears kill up your you furniture. At any time. Yeah, yeah. It could slit your throat, but you, but you keep come back, keep coming back on Wednesday, and even listening to podcasts, you, you sick fuck. What's <laughs> like? Come on. You, in guys, depth analysis. No, none of us can talk about. None of us can talk about bad. And not me least of all because I'm making the podcast. That's <laughs> orders of magnitude more effort and care and attention. Like what the hell is wrong with us all? Okay, I was going to read Michelle, but I just was handed breaking news uh, from from my uh, editorial team here. Uh, Josh F with a subject: Ryan Murphy hints at season twist structure. Um, this I may, is this a little bit spoilery. You've read it. I haven't. I haven't read the article. I just read the email, and I don't think it is. It's just Ryan Murphy saying, hold on to your butts, like I just said. <laughs> okay. So Ryan Murphy, because well, that's okay. So we'll have a meta conversation here, I'm sure. Uh, so Josh F. says, I thought this was an interesting yet informative, or ve- yet an interesting yet somewhat vague piece of information that Ryan Murphy dropped, which gives me hope that the season is not going to be the same storytelling structure all season long. Uh, at the very least, it confirms that everything isn't what it seems on the surface. Uh, here's a quote from Uproxx, uh, uh, entitled American Horror Story Season 6 Twist. Um, Ryan Murphy says, even though the subject matter has gotten out, it's irrelevant because nobody gets what we're doing, says co-creator Brad Falchik. Okay, that wasn't Ryan Murphy. No matter <laughs> what you think it is, it's not that. Then episode 6 comes and you're like, wait, what happened? Adds Murphy, it's a hat on a hat on a hat on a hat that we've had to protect. While Murphy thinks the twist separates the uh, season into two halves, Falchuk considers it three unique stories. He says it's like episodes one through five, six through nine, and ten is its own thing. Murphy, Falchuk, if you are success, you cannot 
pat yourself on the back for successfully concealing the hat within a hat within a hat structure in the same interview that you reveal in two episodes in the you're hat like, within we can't, a hat we can't hold hat. it anymore like you guys are the it's fuck like giving a six-year-old a secret they really are it really it's like asking my son to keep a birthday present surprise <laughs> or any kind of surprise for more than three seconds yeah like he does this every season. I mean, but that's the thing. It's the formula for every season. Midway through, they're going to flip the script on you. It's just what they do. Yeah. It's formulaic. It's not groundbreaking. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting because, like, last season with, um, <laughs> you know, and plus he lies. Like, last season with late Lady Gaga, like, when people were talking about her being a vampire, he's like, hey, you know, the, the secret is she's, she's not, not a really vampire. vampire. Like, I'm really turning the whole vampire structure on its head. And then you realize, no, no, you're she not. She just doesn't bite people. Yeah, yeah, like that's there's there's that that's been done. I guarantee fucking tea that version of vampire has been done. Like mm-hmm. you know your glampire thing is all busted and weak. Um, but it's but it's like you know he can't get it get it out of his his own way on these mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Mercedes Benz. Bring the hammer. Michelle, back with a hammer. I'm really into Kathy Bates' character this season. I'm so intrigued by the creepy mystery behind why she is what she is. And her vaguely Irish colonial accent. Yeah. I, I, it, it's, what is she doing? She's doing a, a 16th century Baltimore accent. <laughs> and it's super authentic. Uh, I guess. I've got a wax cylinder recording of a 16th century Old Bay Do commercial you? that I'll play next episode. Wonderful. And we'll all find out that, nope, Kathy Bates is nailing this. Can't wait. I thought her mini-speech last night was really interesting, so I did research into it and found that it's pulled from a poem called Amerigrin's Challenge, which is derived from the original song of Amerigrin. Oh. I'm Herigrin Gallagher, was a legendary bard, and spoke these words as he set foot on Irish soil for the first time. I'm telling you, this name is Gaelic as fuck. I had no, no defense against it. (laughs) Gaelic? Uh, Yeah. Um... So he's a legendary bard and spoke these words as he set foot on Irish soil for the first time. Apparently, in the early 1900s, scholars suggested the poem had both spiritual and cosmological meaning, connecting both the soul and the cosmos world. But it also had been suggested that he it was a meta-meta-psychosis-sorcery connection, especially in that sorcerers had been believed to have been able to shapeshift. After seeing a part of it recited by Kathy Bates' character last night, it seems as though Murphy is using it to take a show into dark places involving demonic rituals. Interesting to say the least. So here's the American's challenge, and I think she um, uh, she uh, uh, italics the part that Kathy Bates actually said. Uh, I am a wind across the sea. I am a flood across the plain. I am the roar of the tides. I am a stag of seven tines. I am a dewdrop let fall by the sun. Honestly, nothing more horrific than a dewdrop. I'm the fierceness of boars. From the sun. That's like hot magma, right? <laughs> and, it's, it, it, and it fell from 93 million miles away. The velocity on so that dewdrop that, that's like 16 million degrees. Like it's just like it's, it might as well be a fusion rifle. It's like rifle. a sniper bullet, yeah. Uh, I'm the fierceness of boars. Eh? 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 I am a hawk. My nest is on a cliff. I am the height of poetry. I'm the most beautiful among flowers. I am the salmon of wisdom. Salmon of wisdom. <laughs> I am the tuna of the sea. <laughs> I am the chicken of the sea. Uh, who but I is both the tree and the lightning strikes it. Who is the dark secret of the dolmen not yet hewn? I am the queen of every hive. This is where Kathy starts coming uh-huh. in. 
I I defied on every hill. It just sounds like so, I'm doing an yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. I'll continue. <laughs> I am the shield over every head. Okay, I am the it. spear of battle. I am the ninth wave of eternal ruin. I am the grave of every vain hope. Who knows the path of the sun, the periods of the moon? Who gathers the divisions really and thralls the sea? This. Set and order the mountains, the rivers, the peoples. There. Incredible. Uh, so, yeah, I I took issue with you saying that she had an Irish accent, but this seems conclusive that they're trying to really Irish the Well, there was one word in particular that she spoke, and it was only one word that she spoke in an Irish accent, which is what was so bizarre to me. And it was Blarney. Like, you would... <laughs> <laughs> they threw that in the script right. just so they'd really hit the ar- the Irishness. Right, right. It's like sh- it was like she was doing an Irish accent of someone trying to do a colonial accent, and they accidentally let slip on one word. Right, um, right. Yeah, no, bizarre. Yeah. Yep, she comes out. Erin like, Goldbarney. I, I could. Skip I to- I admit Kathy Bates is doing a great job, and she's probably doing a great accent, but sure. it's but it's just so obscure. Uh-huh. That people just can't relate to that, and do you think that I think that Ryan does this as a meta? Like people gave him shit for like because she had the, like a crazy Southern accent in the in the Covenant season. That was her oh, first, that's right? Fine, yeah, um, Louisiana Southern. But and then he's nobody, like, nobody wanted her to do old old Bay. Yeah, then then she does the Balmer accent, and now she's doing this. Like I feel like that this is something that that Murphy does in the medicines because he's interested in it. Like I, you know, like this is your thing now, Kathy. No, that's oh yeah, I guess that's true. You t- you talk in kooky accents, yeah, because she doesn't have any she doesn't have any control over this. It's not like she's making the creative. She's not no, Marlon she Brando. In I mean, in Freak Show at least, what that, doing the accent was her decision. But they, what I'm, what I'm saying is, they gave her this Baltimore roots, so it makes sense for her to like. Oh yeah, she just ran with the with the old timey accent. Yeah, or, the, or maybe or the... you're right. You know, nothing saying that as a 16th century Irish colonial in a reenactment that she has to do this crazy Irish, which is not going to be authentic anyway. I mean, that's the thing. It's like either you have everyone do it or no one at all, and I can almost guarantee you, not everyone's going to be doing it. Yeah. But anyway, American. Lady Gaga was in this episode. Nah. Yeah, she was dressed as the Enchantress from Suicide Squad. <laughs> she was in this episode. Seriously? Yeah, she was the one that was like standing right over her shoulder. She had like the long brown hair and like the. No, I did not. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. Oh, no, yeah. I did not. I did not realize that. Holy shit! Oh yeah, it doesn't even look like her. Why, well, there's why I didn't realize it. <laughs> so interesting. I could yeah, totally she, get behind the Lady Gaga. She Chantress. was like chanting right at her shoulder the whole time. Okay. Well, I was fixated on Kathy Bates and couldn't take my eyes off her accent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know how it's when like, you're looking it, for it, when you get into a neighborhood and you're like in the last little leg of the directions you have to turn down the radio. Yeah, like, so you can see better. <laughs> I, I had to turn my eyeballs down so I could hear her accent better. <laughs> like all of my senses were focused. I yeah. had to just feel my way. Yeah. 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 That's exactly how it works. Um anyway, uh I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast and uh, We enjoyed making it. We did. We had a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, we'll see what uh, Murphy has cooked up in store for us next week on the next episode, which I predict will be called Chapter 3. Uh, if you'd like Old to send us feedback, ahs at baldmove.com or get on forums.baldmove.com where you can discuss each week's episode with your merry band of fellow uh, watchers and listeners and fans. And masochists. The masochists. And uh, we will see you next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. Have a great weekend. I'll probably still be Cecily next week too.